Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about streaming recommendations. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and joining me is my co-host, Cody Webb. Cody, what's going on, man? Another episode of May Mania coming at you. <laughs> Don't gonna say off the top here. Jack will be back for another app. May Mania has been rolling. Uh, we've already released, I believe, a couple episodes here in this month. Uh, and uh, yeah, this, this should be a fun one. Just going to go over some general recs, a little streamy talk as well, which is always fun. But yeah, man, I, I'm pumped to be here. How you doing today? I'm doing great. We've done a streaming rec episode in the past. We're going to format this this one a little bit differently, which we'll explain in a bit. But I think there's been some recent streaming news in the past weeks, months, whether it's the HBO Max to Max transition or the even the Netflix and the password sharing changes that they're making. There's a lot of things happening in streaming right now. The, the increase of putting streamer movies in movie theaters, like there's a lot of things that we're seeing happening over the last couple of months that I kind of wanted to take a chance to just chat with you about, talk to the people about a little bit, and then also just, you know, give some good movie recommendations to wrap things up. 100%. And of course, if you know, you listen to us on cap regularly, you know, we got to keep it topical. Uh, the max news was pretty massive. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody's kind of trying to throw something out new, trying to stay relevant. Half the times, maybe it is negative things, uh, like like with Netflix. But yeah, there's always tons to talk about with streaming, I feel like. Absolutely. What streaming service on average would you say you use the most often, Cody? Good question. Oh, that's a tough one. I think currently it probably is HBO Max, just because I do watch a lot of TV through there. I mean, Succession every week through there. Past that, I use Peacock a lot. I surprisingly do use Paramount Plus a good amount. I actually haven't, I don't think I've been on Netflix um, for ages, but uh, Disney Plus and Hulu and, and Amazon are also in the rotation as well. But yeah, I, I did want to throw another question back at you. What streaming services do you actually have? Because I know that we mm. share a couple. Ones that I have are Peacock, Paramount Plus, and HBO Max. I think those are the main three. And the others, I <laughs> use other people's passwords, which we'll talk about as well. But uh, there are several with you too. But do you know all the streamers that you have? Yeah. So, well, I have Netflix through my parents. So I don't play for Netflix. Um, and then I have Peacock through my parents' internet, I think. So <laughs> nice. technically, neither of us play for it. I think we have HBO Max also through my parents' AT&T. <laughs> so my phone bill, which I don't pay for. So shout out to my parents for oh, giving wow. me. HBO Max, Peacock, and Netflix. I pay for Disney Plus, and they steal that from me. So there we go. Hulu, I also take from my parents. Um, <laughs> when I was in college, it was bundled with my Spotify students. So really, they were kind of mooching off. That's only what, like four ninety nine a month, and yeah. so yeah, whatever. Uh, I have Hulu and Spotify <laughs> paid for them by my parents, um, and then I pay for my Amazon Prime, which you oh, use, no. right? Or no. I Oh, you do use it. Okay. Connor, I think also uses it um, or has at least in the past. I didn't have Paramount Plus. I was using Jake Ross's Paramount Plus, but I think he got rid of it. So at this current moment, I don't have access to Paramount Plus. Um, (laughs) I'll give you my account. Okay. There you go. Um, Apple TV Plus, I do have. And uh, I, I pay for that myself, which, and then you, you mooch Hulu and Disney plus off of me, correct? Correct. And Amazon. So three. <laughs> and my parents, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to this vocals, uh, pretty much funding this, this episode in total. <laughs> 
so there are a lot of streamers out there obviously that was kind oh, of and cool. i do have technically uh youtube premium for a one month trial currently i don't know if there's anything on there but i do have it nice <laughs> the rise of youtube uh premium i love that but I mean, yeah, there are tons and tons of, of streamers. I feel like that's kind of the point I was trying to make. But and there's a lot of good content in all of these, too. So kind of throwing us out there. But there's also a ton of top stuff, too, obviously, which which we were going to talk about. And I th- can I throw some uh, some under the radar streamers at you, Cody, yeah, that I, that I got on my phone. Tubi. Are you familiar with Tubi? I have used Tubi a few times. Yeah, good site. <laughs> That's not too bad. Tubi's all free. There's ads on it. So that's nice. Um, I might even have some Tubi recs for the people as honorable mentions when we come later. Um, And then Pluto TV. That's another one that will have some free stuff on it occasionally. A lot of these are like, I feel like international films you'll find on like Pluto. Movies, another one that I think you can get for free. Um, and then Shudder, which is a classic that it, for horror fans, I think that's about four ninety nine a month. Uh, it's all horror stuff. There's some great original content on there, but also a lot of like cult horror classic stuff that's kind of harder to find. And then uh, the Roku channel, which I think the only thing I've watched on there is the the Weird Al movie, but also free. So fair. I missed that one. To be fair, I think that is literally the only movie that I know for sure is on a Roku, but. Yeah, I feel like all of those two, they're like all super similar. Most of them are like four letter words for some reason and like really forgettable names, which is funny. But yeah, I'm sure one of those eventually will rise up to kind of the expected standards of the other ones. But it is kind of hard to break through a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, well, I think that brings us to a, a really interesting point. And the last couple of years in the world of streaming, every like major corporation and movie studio outside of really sony has like propped up their own streaming service in some type of way so paramount gets paramount plus um universal has peacock disney has disney plus warner brothers has hbo max and they were all essentially trying to compete with netflix because netflix had that market share they were in on the ground floor and they had it from the beginning so everyone else is trying to compete with netflix and netflix is trying to compete with itself and grow at an exponential rate and release a movie a week <laughs> for an entire year right so what all these streamers big streamers were trying to do in order to just grow was basically they did they just pumped millions and millions of dollars into content into producing content and that's where we've seen an absolute influx of streamer tv shows streamer movies over the last couple years whether it be netflix giving out a hundred million dollars to martin scorsese to make the irishman or to to whoever to you know 80 million however much marriage story costs to noah bombach stuff like that giving a ton of money to adam sandler sure there's been a ton of spending in the streaming space the Disney plus Marvel TV shows, all the Lucasfilm, Star Wars TV shows, those all existed because there was this idea of we just need to put out content to bring in subscribers, to get our numbers, to at least somewhat compete with Netflix. And now I think we've hit the point where they're starting to level out and they're realizing if we continue at this rate, we will never be able to make money and this won't be viable. So there's been a big pullback on a lot of content in the last couple months, weeks, stuff's been getting canceled. We saw last year, all the HBO max straight to max products getting scrapped like Batgirl and Scoob 2, stuff like that for tax write-off reasons. So there's been a big pullback and kind of the change in the approach of how they're spending money at a corporate level when it comes to creating streaming content, which I think is really interesting. The movie industry on its head a little bit, just because it went from, you know, COVID kind of shutting down a theater, sending everything to streamers. And since then, I mean, 
a lot of stuff has just lost a lot of lot of money. And like you're saying, even with the HBO uh, DC stuff, like not just canning uh, Batgirl, I think is something that we may never see again in Hollywood and just do it for tax reasonings is uh, kind of really funny and ironic after COVID. But I mean, it's kind of led into everything now coming back into theaters, being flood off streamers a bit. And uh, something you didn't even mention either too, but like the the recent writer strike is a hundred percent. That's yeah, that was the next point because that's yeah. that's a whole nother wrench into the the problem right. of content. It'll be really interesting to see how long the writer strike goes. You know, there's talks that it could last in through the summer into the fall, and I mean, for a strike like this to have a reasonable effect on these content providers, it has to last long enough to where they run out of content to produce. Like obviously, the the early stuff like. The Tonight Show and SNL gets cut off early, but there's still content that's in production and post-production they can put out right now. When we get to the point of, hey, we don't have anything to release, then the streamers and the big studios are really going to have a problem. And with like the returning series as well. I mean, of course, this is sequel land in Hollywood. I saw one particular one just off the bat, like Stranger Things season five is in delay. Like people like Netflix is going to be pissed if that doesn't come out on time. And even if they have to move back a week, like they're going to freak out, I'm sure. So yeah, everything like big franchise, any IP at all is is going to be in shambles, I think, for the next few, or at least, you know, however long, like you said, who knows how long this really will last. Hopefully not that long for my sake and your sake. But well, and for the, I mean, for the sake of the people that are, you know, obviously out of work while they're, I mean, they're you know, trying writers, to strike. Though, yeah. Hopefully a long time because the longer they hold out. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a catch 22. It's like you want them. Yeah whatever if it ends quickly and they can get a good deal out of it then True. yeah that that would be yeah. the ideal situation but it doesn't seem like the uh the studios are coming from a fair place at the current juncture um and interestingly the reason part of the reason they're striking there's obviously a lot of different things that go into it and a lot of different factors and the contracts and the things they want to see changed i know ai is part of it but a, a big chunk of it is the way they're getting paid now because of streaming because traditionally in the olden days of television and movies your the money you would make in royalties would be so much greater because there'd be so much replay value. And now as streamings come around, you just get like a flat rate and there's no syndication money. There's no royalties that you get paid after the fact as a writer oftentimes. So now it's, it's not a viable living career. Like the money you get paid to just write something is not because you to get a job you basically have to work on that singular thing for a year but it might only be pay for six months of the you know it's 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 a very tough life and there's a lot of yes there's writers who make a ton of money sure but there are a lot of you know just staff writers people that are trying to like make their careers their livings raise families and as creative people they're not being able to anymore because of streaming really and for one i think the most important people in the entire movie making process as well i i definitely understand where they're coming from I do think it's an understandable strike, honestly. Like uh, like you said, I mean, there are some obviously more famous writers who are constantly working, probably don't see this too much, but with everything kind of just flying around at once, and like you said, do I mean, not being able to kind of double down and make the money if it is super successful uh, with that replay value, it's definitely tough. So I hope they do carve out a deal here soon, but I think it's understandable from both sides, but especially from the writer's side, I think. Like I said, they're a key cog in this entire thing. And without writers, I think Hollywood is pretty much nothing. Yeah. And it'll be interesting because I know like the DGA is also, their deal is also being renegotiated right now. So what happened the last time there was a writer's strike is the writers did a strike. And then like a month or two later, the DGA kind of met it, came to an agreement with the studios. And then because of that, 
a little bit of momentum was lost on the rider side. They were, you know, if the DGA or, or another, I think there's another one of the guilds or organizations were to strike as well, then that, you know, gives them a lot more. It'll be interesting to see what happens in, in the coming months. Things will be halted regardless of whether they're just in pre-production. There, there's a lot of different factors. Oh yeah. I think a lot of stuff is going to be. Uh, Blade. Gonna... I saw Blade delayed. <laughs> A lot of Marvel stuff. I mean, anything really in Hollywood that is massive franchise, like I said, it's going to be put on hold. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, summer movies and stuff that has, you know, been post-production forever won't be affected. So we probably won't see like an actual effect on it for a, a while here, but it, it still is crazy. All every, everything in the movie making process is kind of just on hold right now. I feel like. Yeah. I think beyond, obviously like we've seen some early, like I said, with like the, the t- daily shows, like, tonight show the hosted shows like that where there's writers those go away eventually and then like come the fall when shows don't come back on like you know your your weekly sitcoms that you know don't come back in the fall people are going to be mad they're gonna be like where's our shows at yeah so that could be good netflix will turn to their a million love is blind uh (laughs) spinoffs and whatever international content they can push out there squid game three i think all their reality dating shows are scripted though honestly so that's probably on hold too (laughs) that's true that's true that'll be a problem um you talked about covid a little bit and obviously covid played a huge factor it is important to realize that the movie industry was headed in this direction regardless covid just helped it a lot ups ups the timetable by a couple years and significantly so the day and date release thing, I think is an important thing to talk about. That was an interesting time over COVID. So like when you had movies like Wonder Woman 1984 releasing on a streaming service and in theaters on the same day, Disney did it a little bit differently where you had to pay like $20 to see Mulan and Black Widow, but they were still releasing them at home. HBO Max did it as well with Dune. There's been a complete shift back into the theatrical model, which I think is really interesting. Even like I mentioned at the top of the show, streamers like Apple TV, Amazon Prime with releases like Air have said, we are going to make a commitment to release movies in movie theaters to try and keep this industry afloat because they've realized in order to make money and make a profit, they need to have the theater industry to distribute and get eyeballs out there because that still is the way to make money. And I think they learned that super quickly as well dumping movies on streaming services in the long run. It pissed a lot of filmmakers off too, obviously. Oh yeah. I mean, no one specifically with Tenet too. Literally switched studios. Yeah. Yeah. Oppenheimer is coming out from Universal purely because of the HBO Max decision. That is literally what it is. He also, he said HBO Max was a terrible streaming service after (laughs) that, which like shout out to him, but. I mean, he's not wrong. He called it early. He called it way in advance. (laughs) Christopher Nolan, uh, he knows all. So I, I, but. Yeah, I mean, it really has shifted back. I am happy that, you know, they are releasing everything back into movie theaters now. I think, um, like I said, just dumping it straight on there in the long run, I feel like it really does not make you any money anyways. So it's kind of just questionable uh, from the start. But yeah, like go out to theaters. People enjoy going out to theaters for a reason. It's been a viable industry for a long time. And uh, I think it's sustainable. I don't know why you would want to change something like that. I'm excited that they're releasing stuff like Apple TV Plus, the fact that we can see Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese movie, the chance you'll have a chance to see that in theaters. The fact that Air was put out into the theaters. Um, Netflix is still standing pretty firm with this idea of like, oh, we're still just going to be a streamer and we're going to release our stuff on streaming. Um, I'm curious to see where that'll head. What are, what are your thoughts on the, the password sharing stuff with Netflix, Cody? <laughs> 
again, I think it's understandable from both sides. It, it really depends how many uh, people they put on the limit. If it's just two, I think that's pretty atrocious. But I mean, I, I think, I think it's going to be, I think the, what it is, is two different locations you can have signed on. You think that's, I think that's pretty dumb. I think it should be three or four at least. Um, but I understand like why they're doing it. Cause I mean, I'm sure that they have accounts where it's like a hundred people or I don't even know how, like how high the number goes, but I'm sure they, I mean, obviously there's limits currently on how many people can watch at the same time. So like yeah. they have limits on that, but <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but you can just get the more expensive one and you can have like... Well, that's what they'll do with this as well. You'll be able yeah. to pay a little bit more and then you can have it in three to four households or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's all about that money. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. If it's just two, no, personally, that's really, really dumb. But I mean, I'm mooching off my brother's Netflix anyway, so I, I don't, I'm not one to talk here. Um, But yeah, it's just kind of a monopoly trying to make more money when I don't think they really do you know, need to for any specific reason. Yeah. I mean, it's like, when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, this is a multi-billion dollar corporation. Like, do they really need any more dollars and cents out of people? No. But when you look at it from a business decision, like it makes sense. The yeah. fact that they didn't do this sooner is a little confusing. Are you familiar with the ad supported Netflix at all, Cody? Have you, have you ever uh, delved into that world? Eh, not really. Go for it. I don't... Netflix whole thing for a really long time was that they would not have ads on their platform. Like they were very against doing any type of ad supported tier or advertising. Um, whereas stuff like Hulu has had their ads, different stuff on prime at different points, you know, you can different, different versions of things that will have ads. But recently Netflix released their ad based tier. And I think it's seven ninety nine maybe is the cost as opposed to like 59, you know, in around that it's about half the cost. Mm, um, I like that. They're early reports uh, were that even people who switched from the higher base to like if you were at the regular non-ad supported tier and you switched down to the ads they're actually making more money on the people who switched into the ads because they're these people are watching netflix and then they're watching the ads and then the ads are making them more money so netflix has found that this is actually a really viable option and at least in the short term obviously these are like the ad rates they're getting are like okay, if you're an advertising agency and you say, hey, do you want to be one of the first people who can be on Netflix as like one of their first ads? You would obviously get, say yes and you would pay more money than you know on Hulu or something like that. And I'm sure those numbers will, the cost of an ad on Netflix will go down. But still, it is, it is interesting to see how that has become a really viable option for them. And it, it's, it's kind of you know, helping their business out when in the last year, they really took a, a big hit and fall uh, subscriber-wise. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty good idea. I feel like in general, I'm kind of ad blind with most of these streamers just because I'm so used to it at this point. So I'm including that like that. If it's half the price, dude, like I would 100% do that if I was paying for Netflix, obviously. But uh, I mean, yeah, cutting it in half and adding on like 30 second ads in between episodes and stuff halfway through episodes. I think that's completely fine. And like you said, I mean, it's making them a lot more money too. So I don't know from a business standpoint, like we were saying, I feel like that makes the most sense of anything they've kind of done recently. Yeah. And I mean, give people the opportunity to see things at a lower price, like give the ad supported tier just like opens that up to a larger subscriber base that you can attract to. Cause there are a lot of people who can't afford 15, $16 a month on a, on a Netflix, but maybe you cut that price in half and you know, it's a little bit more viable to, to investigate that idea. I mean, just new clients. Like you said. Yeah. I back it. Last thing I want to talk about, which is the, is the big one, the the HBO Max Discovery 
merger into Max. Cody, we've joked about it in the last couple episodes, but we've never officially talked about it. So give me your take. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I have a couple. I think the name change off the bat um, and the the brand name, I guess, just in general, from HBO Max to Max and then the purple to the blue, new logo and everything. Uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of any of that really at all. And then you throw in they're adding in uh, the Discovery Network that they had going. I think that was just on a completely separate streaming service. I believe that doesn't really interest me that much either. Uh, you know, some of the nature documentaries and stuff are are definitely fun to watch. I guess they have a bunch of like just random shows. Some of them like reality shows and stuff that I don't know anything about, and I don't know who, anybody who watches those. Overall, I, I am pretty negative on on most things they're doing here. But, but what are your thoughts on it? My kind of general opinion is like, who cares? Like, I feel like a lot of people are just being a little overreactionary. Like, they're not getting rid of like the stuff that's on HBO Max. Like that content still exists. It just will be on an app that has more stuff. And yeah, maybe you don't like reality TV, but fuck, there's a lot of people who do. Like a lot of people who do because there's a lot of money that's being made. And that's why this is happening. Like it's it's coming together because they're honestly... Their opinion is over there at, at Warner Discovery is is that like HBO Max is not good and it's not making the money because people aren't like really watching it and like staying on it. And if they want to do something like ad supported viewing, that's not viable with the current HBO Max watch model. Whereas something like Discovery, people literally do spend all day and they actually watch and binge shows on there. Whether it's shitty content or not, like it is stuff that a lot of people enjoy and, and get pleasure out of. Um, maybe there'll be something on there for you, Cody. I don't know. I'm sure I'll find something in uh, Discovery Plus, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I think from my standpoint, it's it's just unnecessary. Like I think HBO Max is one of my favorite streaming services, and I think with the audience that they currently have, obviously it's it's adult content. It seems they are kind of looking to move to a, a bit of a younger um, audience spectrum. But I well, think they're I don't even think it, it's not it's not that they Cody. It, it's it. But they're alienating. That's so like, why do you mean they're alienating? They're changing that. I, I don't know. And they also, it's it's not that they're moving to a younger audience. I think their idea is to move to a more inclusive audience. And they've, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you want something that like parents get streaming services. So kids can like, this is like, listen, again, it's the corporate bullshit. Like, do these companies needs more money? No. But as a business decision, yeah, it makes sense. It's combining demographics into one place. It's they're, they were basically running two different streaming services, one company. I, I don't know. The whole removing HBO Max or removing the HBO from the name and just calling it Max, I think that is kind of stupid. I do understand the reasoning behind it, though, because when you are trying to create something that is inclusive of all the content you have and you have HBO on it, that's not representative of what they're trying to create. HBO has a very specific connotation. It has a very specific imagining. Maybe you and I like what that means. And we know, oh, HBO means good. But to a lot of people, they might be like, that's not the kind of content I'm looking for. And I don't expect them to have 90 Day Fiance on HBO. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I just don't understand why I have to bring them together, though. Because, I mean, it is completely two different audiences bringing it all in one app. So I guess that makes them more money. but. Why don't they just make their own money separately on Discovery Plus and they don't have to deal with my mojo? You know, it's kind of <laughs> it's definitely a selfish thing for mine, but it's just like you're making money other way. I feel like maybe this will bring more people to some of these Discovery Plus shows who maybe wouldn't have gone to that app, I guess. That's kind of their thinking behind it. But yeah, and I mean I it's know. about it, getting subscriber numbers up. You take two different numbers of subscribers yeah. and you combine them into one. 
It's definitely interesting. What do you uh, what do you feel about the blue? I think we, we we've talked about this a little bit. But... Yeah, I mean, it's just I get it's a dumb decision. I don't know why you change it so you can match <laughs> other stuff, but like it's whatever. It's what they did, I guess. I, I it doesn't. I'm not gonna be walking rocking around each like Max merch anyways. I don't need the app to look pretty. I just watched it on it. Here's what I will yeah. say, Cody. HBO Max has a lot of great content. Has a really shitty UI. If this new rebrand is a fix to any of that. I'll, I will be overjoyed. I'll be over the moon. Yeah, I mean, the switch from the purple to the blue, I mean, it is what it is, but there's literally going to be, like, in five years, there's going to be 10 streaming services, and they're all going to be blue. I don't understand it. I feel like they just put in the focus groups, you know, oh, what's the what's your favorite color to click on? Blue is a great color. It's, it's very clickable. <laughs> it makes you feel happy. Yeah. They're doing an ad-supported tier of Max. Yeah, I think they already had that. That's what I have, I believe. Yeah. It's, uh, no, there, there's no ads I will on definitely HBO Max. I watch ads on HBO Max all the time. You watch ads for HBO <laughs> shows pre-roll, but you're not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- those aren't ads. <laughs> They're still ads. They count. Even if it's uh, HBO on HBO. <laughs> not a fan. But yeah, that's, that's the other thing. They're going to be offering an ad-supported tier, and this goes back to the Netflix things. When you have shows that are reality shows and, and different stuff that people actually watch, and it's not... I'm going to be honest. The only time I get on HBO Max right now is to watch Succession on Sunday nights. I, I don't really get on that much otherwise. You should. So, there's a lot of good shows. Yeah, there, there's, there's good movies. There's good shows, sure. But like that's just not the, the place I'm always going to for content. And that's not good for an ad-supported tier. That's not good for making money. Like You need people to watch your shit. I don't know. Yeah, no, fair enough. What would you say is your most used streaming service? I'm honestly just curious. I, w- I mean, I would say like, so like I have my things that I watch every week. So like I watch Abbott Elementary, which is on, which it just ended. So I guess I don't need more, but I've been watching. It's on, it, that's on HBO Max too. Well, it's on there, but like weekly releases <laughs> I've been watching on Hulu. So I oh, use yeah. Hulu because it's coming out. And then I use Fair. Disney Plus obviously to watch like, you know, our shows, like when we do episodes and if there's a Marvel or a Star Wars show that comes out. And then I use HBO Max to watch succession like whatever the show is that i'm watching so if it's succession euphoria or you know i was kind of watching the last of us i think prime (laughs) video is probably honestly maybe the go-to because i i rent a lot of stuff so like that's all through prime i rent a lot of movies on prime and then i'll watch a lot of stuff on prime too i'll go to netflix occasionally been watching some beef with mina on there the the steven yun show ali wong but i don't know I think I, nice. I feel like it's kind of equal across the board. I, I'm more, I, I feel like more than more often I will seek out a movie and find out where it is rather than just going on a streaming service and trying yep. to pick something. hundred percent. And that's kind of centered around um, our categories as well. So yeah, I am hundred percent the same. I'm always like searching on, like I have a bunch of tabs over my phone of where to watch this movie and where to watch that movie just to, like a plant a seed for later on as well. So and then like fifty yeah. percent of the time it's available nowhere, and then I go and prime and rent it for three ninety nine. So there you go. Yeah, so I have like I think 10, 15 movies this past year on uh, my Apple TV account that I just rent because they're nowhere to be found anywhere. Speaking of things to watch, let's talk about our recommendations. Cody, the way we're going to be recommending these movies, rather than being like here's some stuff to watch on netflix here's some stuff to watch on paramount plus i think that's great but 
I don't know, a lot of people have a lot of different streaming services. And even if you don't have them yourself, you have a way to like access them through someone's other password or whatever it may be. So what we decided to do was do like categories of movies. So like different situations you might find yourself in or different moods or settings, that type of thing. And then a good movie that we know is available on a major streaming service. And then we'll tell you where to watch it and why we think you should watch it. Let's get into those specific categories and uh, maybe you can comment as we go. So first one, we're just going to wreck a sci-fi movie. I think that's a cap classic. We both love sci-fi. I feel like that's my kind of bread and butter as well. So I have to throw that in there off the bat. And then we're going to go for a raunchy comedy movie, which if we're being honest, I think your recommendation might be the uh, more pro one. But... Yeah, and uh, echoing off that, this is also my bread and butter. Those are probably <laughs> my two favorite categories of movies. So. Yeah, that, that's definitely my my pick here for sure. Next one I threw in, uh, movie to watch with your parents. I think that can be a tough thing to find sometimes. You don't want something, obviously everyone's relationship with their parents is different, but you don't want something that's too raunchy, too out there. You also don't want something that's like maybe too weird or too artsy. So, you know, we'll, we'll have some picks for for stuff to to pull up when you're you're at home with the parents. Agreed. Got to keep it entertaining, but, you know, clean, clean family fun out here. Absolutely. And then the next one, which... I don't, we could, you know, take a lot of different directions. I'm curious to see what you think of it, but it's going to be our Just Vibes movie. Yeah. Love this category. It's all about the vibes, man. If you get that right, you, can't, you really can't go wrong. Absolutely. The next one is a fun one. It's a, it's a hungover or a sick day movie. So when you're just, you're not feeling up to it, you don't want to, you know, do too much. You just want to lay in bed and watch something. We, we've got a pick for you there. Yeah, we've been there multiple times and, uh, We've experimented, I think, and uh, we'll definitely share our results on which ones worked and which ones don't. And then, you know, very similarly, the next is a childhood classic. Uh, yeah. So just something from our childhood that you you uh, would be good to return to on a streaming service. I'm uh, crossing my fingers. You don't pick holes, but I think it's coming. Just wait to see what I pick. I'm sure you'll you'll be really happy with it. The next one, uh, when you're feeling down in the dumps and you need to to get a little bit of motivation, you got to go for a classic sports movie. So we didn't want to just go sports movie. We wanted to go motivational sports movie, something to get the the blood pumping. And I'm sure uh, you and your cool runnings recommendation will be, <laughs> will be great for this category. Uh, you may, we may be talking about cool runnings a bit on this pod, but yeah, love the sports movies. I love throwing in motivational too. I feel like those are the best ones. Uh, so yeah, love that category as well. And then uh, the next one is movies to cry to, which I, I'm really curious to see where you go here. Um, sometimes you need to watch a sad movie and, and just kind of let it out. In the past too, I have admitted to crying to a couple films, which of course we'll mention, but yeah, you know, so, sometimes just it's that, that day of the week where you, you need a good, just, you know, sob tear fest and uh, movies are a good way to get to that. Our second to last category is just going to be a background movie. Something, something to throw on when you're hanging out with your friends. Maybe you could be playing cards, having some drinks, talking, uh, but it's always good to just like be able to return to in the background. I'm interested on what you're going to pick for this. I feel like you can it's go be slightly it, but... offensive to some filmmakers yeah. maybe. <laughs> But to, and also very helpful. Like most of these categories, maybe not, you know, well, actually, I think most of them are like more real world kind of experiences. But this one, I think it will be a good one for that, too. Be really handy for sure. And then our final category is just going to be a wild card recommendation. So, you know, we're feeling a little spicy. So we'll, we'll throw something saucy at you to finish things up. Got to have the ace in the hole, baby. Let's do it. All right, let's get started with our first recommendation a sci-fi movie most consider these works of science fiction i recommend it cody you said it was your bread and butter so take it away wreck me a sci-fi watch there's so many great great sci-fi movies i could name off a massive list here i won't bore everybody with that 
a couple of my favorites I will list off quick here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, my bracket round is Wally. Probably the best animated sci-fi flick, or at least up there, probably top five. Don't want to, you know, announce it, but uh, one of my favorite animated movies. So wanted to shout that out. A couple other ones, a couple classics, uh, Blade Runner, and as well Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That franchise, uh, probably one of the best, just movie and sequel of all time. Just a two film franchise, tough to beat uh, if you match it up against anybody else. Um, crazy sci-fi super deep movies as well kind of questioning your own humanity at points and then have to have to shout out some star trek lastly <laughs> i want to shout out uh this time star trek first contact which i don't even know if you know what that is corbin but it's a uh, next generation film surrounding around sort of the first contact between vulcans and humans which is a fun plot line and then as well it's kind of the borg movie of uh, the star trek movies so a lot of fun there too but yeah, I wanted to throw that one out there just because, I mean, <clears throat> there may be a Star Trek episode coming up in the future and uh, wanted to, uh, yeah, kind of wet, wet everybody's beaks on the Star Trek. Do you want to throw out your honorable mention as well? I have two real picks here, so I, but I do have like one honorable mention and uh, just an honorable mention to 10 Cloverfield Lane, which the, nice. the Cloverfield series is a little bit up and down. I, I like the first movie and then obviously 10 Cloverfield Lane is the second one and then the third one is notedly hated. The interesting thing about Tim Cloverfield Lane is that throughout the runtime, you're not really sure, is it a sci-fi movie or is it not? And it kind of plays with that idea. And there's some really solid performances. I think John Goodman is fantastic in the movie. I love the way it just plays with the audience and you're kind of in the point of view of the main character um, throughout. And it's a really solid one. But uh, what's your main pick, Cody? My main pick, uh, it's another, like when you think sci-fi, I feel like you don't really think of sort of dark I think you can, there is like dystopia involved. I am going to go with uh, Children of Men, which may be the least sci-fi movie that we will talk about today, but it does some some elements. And the one major one, it's kind of like, it's a weird dystopian future, but it's sort of like a, a science, science fiction in a sense, because nobody can have babies anybody, Corbin. This is a terrible, terrible world uh, to keep even like picture in a movie like this. But it is really, really good. It is also shot beautifully. It is unbelievably directed. Shout out Alfonso Cuaron, who um, I honestly haven't seen too much of his other stuff. But I think this is an absolute masterpiece. Kind of just a modern classic, in my opinion. Clive Owen, uh, I mean, the main plot, like I said, there's no babies. Clive Owen kind of just like stumbles across this uh, woman who's pregnant and has to kind of go through the entire movie trying to protect her, get her safety, basically, get protect this baby, basically. Um, there's a lot of shenanigans in between, obviously, and a lot of death and destruction as well. So uh, this is definitely not, you know, one of the light-hearted films that we're going to be talking about today. But so many memorable scenes, and uh, yeah, like I said, past past like the 2000s, I think this is about as good as it comes. Uh, I forgot to mention off the top, you can check it out on Hulu, and actually that is where I checked it out. I think I watched it for the first time only maybe it was this year, maybe it's last year, but it was within the past couple of years here. Well, we. Notably, Children of Men was one of my uh, defeat the watch list picks. And I think you yeah. watched it at the same time when I watched it for the first time. And I was also like really blown away when I saw it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones that I feel like just doesn't get talked about. Like it is ex extreme. You know, you said before the podcast, oh, Corbin, you're going to have like the, you know, the underlooked picks or but like, I think this is one that like, really, until this past year, like, I don't, if someone said Children of Men, what's it about? I couldn't have even told you. 
but it is really cool, really prescient being in 2006. There are things, there's ideas about what the future of the world would look like that I think are relevant to today. Uh, Michael Caine plays like a pot smoker, a pot dealer, pot grower. Um, and, and that's fantastic. That's, it's beautiful stuff. And, and obviously our boy, Chuyatel. <laughs> great cast. Yeah. Chuyatel, Michael Caine, Julianne Moore as well. Julianne Moore is great. Really, really well-rounded cast. I think the most iconic scene shot would be the the car, like the, them driving down the one with where it weaves in and out of the car. And it's just, there's, there's constant stuff like that throughout. That's just incredibly impressive cinematography and, and directorial choices. I mean, hell clip of the week, throw it in. But like that, I think is emblematic of, of how great it is as a whole. Look out. Jesus. Go, go, go. We're going to make it. Come on. We're gonna I'm make not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. so many memorable scenes you mentioned the first one with like all the people running down when in the car really really cool just set design of that i mean the uh, the scene on the boat uh the bombing in the beginning uh there's so much good just like set pieces and like i said it is definitely an under the radar one as well and it's not really what i like uh was my first thought when i think sci-fi as well usually of course you think like oh big space operas this stuff guardians of the galaxy and stuff but it's kind of like a lower tier sci-fi, which is definitely one of my favorite genres. Yeah, definitely. I like that a lot. Solid wreck. What is your science fiction pick, Corbo? <laughs> so I'll, I'll go for like a, I do have two. I have a real movie and then I have kind of a weird one. So my real movie is going to be, it's on Netflix and it's called Synchronic. I think I've talked about it on the podcast or at least mentioned it a little bit in passing, but it stars Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan. And it's, Here's the synopsis for you. Two New Orleans paramedics' lives are ripped apart after they encounter a series of horrific deaths linked to a designer drug with bizarre otherworldly effects. So basically, these two guys, Jamie Dornan, Anthony Mackie, are just paramedics in New Orleans, and they happen upon these people who have died because of these drugs. And then, you know, maybe Anthony Mackie starts to take these drugs, but like the things that happen the most crazy like psychedelic trippy science fictiony stuff when you're on these drugs and i think it's just a really cool low budget vfx sci-fi movie that is extremely well done uh the directors justin vincent and aaron warhead um have kind of worked together on a couple you know different things that have been popular they had a movie premiere at sundance uh this past year so yeah i mean definitely check out Synchronic on Netflix. And uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, <laughs> this is the deeper cuts I was talking about. I think you have a little bit deeper than me. But yeah, I've honestly never heard this movie. Just off of your description, I actually really want to watch it. That sounds really fun and right up my alley. Uh, Jimmy Dornan is a bit interesting. I mean, that's a guy from um, 50 Shades of Grey, correct? Yes, I mean, you know, he's in Belfast as well. He's in some other stuff, but he is, yes, the star of Fifty Shades of Grey. Fair enough, but no, I mean, kind of like a trippy sci-fi movie. Uh, count me in. So I will add that to my watch list immediately. So yeah, I like that record a lot. There's some really cool VFX stuff in this. Um, also just like a really interesting look into like how like these designer drugs kind of come to be because there's this, when you think of things like this, they're like, you know, Molly adjacent, 
ecstasy, like that kind of world where it's like people just like make pills and then they kind of, because they're a new thing, they're not illegal necessarily. So they just get like sold in gas stations. So like, this is just some weird drug that's being sold at gas stations, but then like Anthony Mackie is like going around and investigating and he finds it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really interesting. It's really cool. And it, I, yeah. I talked about it on our um, national treasure episode, how I hated the the Louisiana setting for that. It's really cool in this movie. I think it fits really well. There we go. Shout out Louisiana. You got a good movie finally. And then my second one, which is what I'm actually <laughs> going to call my under the radar pick, Cody, um, is it's only 72 minutes long. It is called The History of Time Travel. And it is a 2014 fictional documentary about a guy who makes the first time machine. So it's entirely framed as like, this is a real documentary we're telling you about the history of time travel. But the really cool thing is, as you're going through it, the documentary changes based on time travel and things being changed in the past. And it's just this really interesting idea. It's not, it is again, a really low budget thing. It's not made by like, there's going to be nobody in it that you recognize. It's not made by any big names. It wasn't a big studio produced, but it's just like a really inventive idea. And I think I had to mention it here in the sci-fi section. So go check out the history of time travel on Amazon prime. Nice. have not heard of that one either, but again, your description has sold me. Uh, I think um, sci-fi in general, the weirder it gets, probably the better it is and anything in, in like a documentary setting as well. I'm a sucker for, so, so yeah, I, I do like that a lot. And I'll admit, I, I only saw it once, but I feel it is one that like, if you watch it once and then like immediately watch it right away, right after you probably would pick up on like, there's so many things that you're like, cause you're kind of trying to figure it out as it's going. It's a little bit of a mystery throughout, which is really cool. It's a good setup. It sounds a little bit like a rival, honestly, like uh, the more times you watch it, the more you understand, obviously about like kind of the plot and story wise, those are some of my favorite movies too. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a really solid premise and it's, I'm not going to say it's perfectly executed, but I think just premise alone is enough to give it a watch and 72 minutes. I mean, come on. Got, I got definitely have enough time for that. So yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. Next category, raunchy comedy movie, Cody. What do you recommend? What's good here? Yeah. Great category. As I mentioned earlier, uh, kind of my, my bread and butter along with sci-fi. I don't know. I feel like you could go a lot of different ways here. I didn't want to go like super obvious, but I'll throw out a couple names. Uh, super bad bridesmaids. I mean, those are probably my big two on kind of like classic comedies in this sense. I'm from a raunchy standpoint, I guess. <clears throat> and uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, that is my uh, big honorable mention. I freaking love that movie, dude. Paul Rudd is the well, Cody. That's my main guy. recommendation. So, no way. Uh, oh, you know okay. me. I'm not a I'm not a big raunchy comedy guy, so it's a little bit harder for me to like. I think forgetting Sarah Marshall is a one that I would say most of our listeners have seen. If you haven't. Definitely go check it out. It is hilarious. Um, does feature some full frontal nudity, nudity from Jason Siegel. So if you want to see that, yeah. definitely go check it out. <laughs> also some great uh, puppet and puppet <laughs> musical work. Mila yeah, Kunis is fantastic. Paul Rudd as a surf instructor is great. Jonah Hill as the you know nerdy guy who works at the hotel. Russell Brand doing Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I really love Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's a great, great rom-com movie. Yeah. One of my favorites of all time as well. I think Jason Siegel's unbelievably underrated as a as a, a you know a leading man, and Mila Kunis as well. I I, th I don't think she gets really enough roles these days either. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Paul Rudd, my 
probably one of my favorite characters of all time is the serpent doctor and then you throw in dracula puppets at the end i mean it doesn't get much better than that man where, where can you watch that at, actually can you watch it on who prime it is available on amazon prime baby it's got all the good picks i'm telling you amazon prime no. bow prime down to uh what's his fucking what's uh bow down to bezos, bezos? <laughs> bow down to bezos, bow down to bezos. Uh, yeah my pick guess where it's uh you know streaming as well corbin Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. I did go a little bit deeper cut here, and uh, we do have a sports category later on, but this is going to be Major League uh, for my pick here. For old school raunchy comedy. I like it. Yeah. Pre-2000. Yeah, a, little bit, a little bit of a throwback here, and you could probably throw this into one of my childhood favorite movies as well. Uh, Charlie Sheen. Let's talk about that guy. Uh, he's really... Well. <laughs> I don't think he's really a great guy or a great actor. I think this is probably his best uh, comedic performance. I really, I mean, it, like Hot Shots part, uh, I guess he's pretty good too, but from a, you know, leading man kind of role too, I think this is probably his best movie. Uh, as Wild Thing, uh, one of my favorite characters as well. Greatest walkout song of all time in, in baseball history. It also has a really w- well-rounded cast as well. You got Corbin Burnson of Psych fame playing like the battered, washed up uh, third baseman who's a real dick. Uh, and then Wesley Snipes, I think, is probably my standout performance from the film, uh, playing Willie Mays Hayes, which is such a fun character. He has this really fun gag where every time he steals a base, he like nails the uh, batting gloves that he wears to his wall. Uh, so stupid, but Wesley Snipes owns every single role, uh, kind of in that comedic standpoint, I think. And uh, yeah, it's kind of just one of the most fun movies of all time, in my opinion. And uh, it's even more fun if you like baseball. So if you're a sports guy at baseball, you haven't seen major league i'd be a big wreck if you just like general comedies and you want to laugh at charlie sheen for you know an hour and a half it's something i'd recommend as well so that, that's my big one for raunchy comedies major league is a classic do you uh do you support major league two and three uh you know as the series goes along it does get worse and worse there are some funny parts of major league two but i would probably say for the most part definitely pass on, on the sequels okay cody i think you've back now back you've recommended two movies that are not available to stream anywhere yeah, i don't think it's on that one i just wanted to shout it out <laughs> okay so uh yeah you can you can go rent major league since it's it's worth the watch <laughs> it's it's worth the rental dinner really? for schmucks that's my uh honorable mention in this category really? as well wow. and um i think it gets it gets a lot raunchier probably in the second half um i, I think it's an okay movie but it's steve carell and paul rudd again you know just having fun so and you can uh, check that out on amazon prime as well nice shout out prime i've not seen that one actually either uh the trailer that's surprising threw me off for some reason but yeah a weird steve carell i don't know why i, didn't, I haven't watched that yet uh yeah i mean it's it's honestly like kind of probably a problematic performance to a certain degree but <laughs> you know we move on interesting movies to watch with your parents what do you recommend encourage affection let's uh let's stay a little cleaner here in movies to watch with your parents uh i'll get us started with a couple honorable mentions uh first one aaron brockovich uh i i feel like based on true stories that's like a real like good area to hit with parents <laughs> i don't know what it is at least my parents i feel like if you're like hey it's based on a true story like, oh really i'm kind of into that um all love to, to my mom and dad. Um, but no, I, I feel like Aaron Brockovich, it's it's an early 2000. I'm a Soderbergh guy. Um, I watched this movie in a screenwriting class. It was, I think it won. Yeah, it, well, well, Julia Roberts was nominated for Best Actress. It was nominated for Best Picture and countless other awards. I think this is the year that uh, Soderbergh was double nominated for director for this movie and for Traffic, right? 
think. I don't know if it was Traffic, but yeah. And uh, I believe that Julie Roberts won the Academy Award for Best Actress, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it was definitely nominated for Best Picture, I believe, too. Yes, so. you are right about everything you just said, Cody. Good job. Go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Erin uh, Brockovich, first honorable mention. Uh, it's just a really cool story. I mean, it's like, again, it's based on a true story, like I said, but it's a cool story about a female character, like, standing up for what is right. And uh, Julia Roberts, she's fantastic in this. If you're one of those people that's like, oh, Julia Roberts, she's in some, like, decent rom-coms in the 90s and, you know, she's in Oceans go watch like an act like this is an actual good acting performance and you you understand like she's one of the goats yeah i, I think this is her at her best probably i would say from from what i've seen from her yeah she's got shops she's she's ridiculously good in that in that movie and uh it is a really cool kind of just scientific story too maybe a little bit of sci-fi we could throw it in that category but too much you know uh non-fiction involved it's really messed up that it's based on a true story i think too um and that just makes it more interesting i think yeah i mean obviously also it's like from a political environment like the things that happen in it like it is it's like an important story to tell as well you know people being taken advantage of stuff like that my other honorable mention which is a movie that just came out which i know will play well with parents because every person over the age of 45 was loving it in the theater uh, a Man Called Otto is now available to stream on Netflix, oh. Cody. So if you need... So I recommend something new straight out of the, the box. I, hey, Tom Hanks, he's a favorite across all generations, but I know in the generations above us, he is extremely well-loved. So True. A Man Called Otto is also out on Netflix now. Those are those are my honorable mentions. Isn't it, isn't it like really depressing though? <laughs> yeah, I almost I almost put it in a movie to cry to a little bit. I, I was... Uh, oh. I was feeling a little wet eyed in the theater. No full streams, but yeah, a couple sad moments. Well, uh, I'll throw out my mentions as well. And then I'll throw it back to you for your pick. But uh, for me, my thought process here, I don't know. I, I definitely thought of like boring Oscar movies, kind of like you're mentioning. But at the same time, I think it would be really fun to be like entertained with your parents as well. So I pick, I mostly picked good movies. Um, <laughs> I picked good movies too, Cody. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> well, I'm not saying in that sense. I'm saying like classic movies. I, uh, my arm mentions are going to be The Princess Bride, Ocean's Eleven, mm. and The Martian. Um, I think I'll just really, really good. Martian's movie. a great one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know that one's like kind of your thing too. It's like, oh, you feel like it's based on a true story, so that's that fits the whole parents vibe. Yeah, like I just actually want to be entertained. The Princess Bride is so much fun. Um, just going set piece, set piece with there. Great characters, great dialogue. One of the classics. And uh, we've done an episode on that, so go check that one out. Ocean's Eleven, same thing. I mean, it's bringing together all these different characters. I feel like, you know, you want to be able to connect on kind of just like great movies with your parents. If you're like quoting The Princess Bride or Ocean's Eleven with them, it's going to be a great experience, I think um yeah the martian i mean like i said that's a really fun movie too that one gets a lot more serious so i think it does have that kind of you know more emotional vibes i definitely try not to shed a couple tears at the end through the montage but i don't know if i was completely successful so that is one on i think on on your way of thinking a little bit more of you know let's get let's get real here and you know what if somebody actually did get stranded on mars that's kind of more deep and interesting to think about maybe than uh the other two movies i mentioned but overall like I kind of went blockbusters, good writing, and fun movies. I think that's kind of my thought process with this category. Well, and you know, you think Princess Bride, directed by Rob Reiner. I feel like that's a parent's director. The Martian, directed by Ridley Scott. I feel like that's a parent's director. (laughs) 
Steven Soderbergh, dude. He's been around forever. Steven Soderbergh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, get you. Hey, we both reckon in Soderbergh movies, so clearly there's yeah. something there to it. And then for me, my actual recommendation, which again, it's an Oscar player, it's a Best Picture winner, it's a based on a true story, and it's directed by, to me, a parents director. It's a person that if I said their name, my mom would go, "Oh, that guy, yeah, I know him." Ron Howard just directed *A Beautiful Mind* from 2001. Uh, I think I've mentioned you. I know you haven't seen this, but uh, yeah. this is this is a movie. This is a movie that we watched in school. So I feel like that's also kind of like if, if you can watch it in school, it's probably a good movie to watch with your parents as well. Um, but this movie is good. Like it's got Russell Crowe in a pretty solid performance. Jennifer Connelly, Ed Harris, Christopher Plummer, Judd Hirsch, um, and of course Paul Bettany my man, um, Vision, the GOAT. Uh, but no, it, it's got really solid performances. It is essentially a story about a man who is a brilliant mathematician who then is diagnosed with schizophrenia and is dealing with that and experienced delusions. There's a little bit of trippy stuff of some things you see on screen may or may not be real at different points. And there's a lot of anxiety. And I think it's a really interesting movie. Maybe hasn't aged again perfectly in the last 20 years. I'm curious to see what like an approach to something like this in like the modern viewing of mental health would be, but definitely a really cool story about a, a really brilliant man. Yeah. And uh, like you mentioned, this one, I have not checked out yet, but uh, it is on my watch list. It does seem like a good one to watch with your parents. Uh, has a little bit deeper i think you know vibes and stuff that you can go into it more with your parents like that's always a good movie too like you're just thinking deeper of like i don't even know obviously i haven't seen the movie but it, it seems like one of those you can really go into it well you know i mean yeah like ron howard i would say as a director is pretty straightforward like there's nothing too crazy or experimental with the mm. way that it approaches the like schizophrenia like it is very just like his delusions seem real and like, it's not crazy anxiety, but there is like some interesting political conspiracy FBI type plot lines that get thrown in and the college university drama, that kind of stuff. So I think it's an interesting watch. And I mean, obviously it's a best picture winner. So, you know, tack one of those off your list available on Amazon prime. Of course, Amazon prime, but yeah, best picture of course is, is good ticker, but also, didn't know Paul Bettany was in that many movies. I think I've only seen him in a solo in the MCU. So a Night's Tale, Cody. Well. Never seen a Night's Tale. Not actually. Um, that is not on my watch list. I probably will never watch that. Uh, Rest in oh, peace, Heath Ledger. <laughs> fuck. No, is Heath Ledger in that? Well, I like he's Heath the night. Check it out. Uh, buddy. It's his tale. Oh, really? I thought he was a joke. Well, that too. He has the same anyway. hair. It's just not the same color. <laughs> I would check out a Heath Ledger uh, night movie, no doubt. You know, Paul Benny, and it does bring it down a little bit. But yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, but anyway, what about Alan pick. Tudyk as the third? <laughs> I actually like Alan Tudyk. So okay, great, great. You're sold now. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> uh, my pick for uh, movie to watch with your parents. I'm going to throw it over to Amazon Prime. And this is also on Voodoo as well. So shout out Voodoo. I'm going to go with Back to the Future. Oh, good pick. Directed by yeah, Robert Zemeckis, 1985. Another parents director. Yeah, director the, of our uh, favorite, Pinocchio from last year. Yeah. <laughs> what a big time uh, parents director. All the parents love like Forrest Gump. And, oh, and kind of, Gump would be like the, the class. I mean, yeah. yeah. Those Beatty movies as well. Uh, Back to the Future is 100% one of those Beatty movies. But it, I think it's just like, it's something they can be nostalgic about. So it kind of bring a different feel to the movie when you watch it with them. 
And it's also just a ridiculously good movie at the same time. Obviously, the main two, Michael J. Fox and uh, Christopher Lloyd, just kind of have that undeniable chemistry that is perfect for this movie. And I mean, for the most part, it is kind of your like run-of-the-mill time travel movie. But I just say that because like this kind of is the it best. Invented what a time travel movie yeah, is, and everybody just copies exactly kind of the same format. So it's not its own fault. It kind of created this really great genre of you know everyone copying them. But yeah, I think it's just a classic. And uh, like I said, the nostalgia factor, I think will be a lot of fun rewatching something with your parents like that. Yeah, I mean, that for both of us, like this would be a movie that our parents would have been like, would have grown up and seen probably. So one of their probably childhood favorites. And it, at the same time, it is just like a ridiculously, ridiculously good movie. Just vibes movie. I'm not getting good vibes here. What do you recommend? Cody, <laughs> this is this is an interesting one. I, I'm curious to even see what you took this as. So why don't you take it away? What do you, you got honorable mentions for this yep. one? I do. I, I freaking love this category. And I think this is probably my category where I have the best honorable mentions. Uh, off the top, I really did want to pick this movie, but I think I talked about it in our last streamer's rec. So I was like, I probably shouldn't double down on it. It's Chef, uh, <laughs> directed by John Favreau, starring John Favreau. This is such a great movie, and the vibes are immaculate. Most time, it's just like um, him cooking, which is really, really just satisfying to watch. I think so. Just the vibes overall, I think, were, were undeniable in that flick. But like I said, I've talked about that before. Another one that I really, really love the vibes of is Dope, uh, which I think is another movie I've seen in the past few years here uh, for the first time. But it's just such chill vibes, I think. It's really just three friends pretty much hanging out the entire movie. Shout out to your your boy, Tony Revolori, your underrated yes. actor again. Tony Revolori, definitely an underrated actor. Really, like, great and fun cast, too. What's the kid's name who's uh, the voice of the Spider-Man now? Uh, Miles Morales? I don't remember. Shameek Moore. Uh, it's also got ASAP yeah. Rocky in it, which is great. And um, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. yeah. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz is great in that as well, so... Really, really fun cast, I think. And um, basically, it's just, it kind of turns to them having a crazy day and the vibes do go a little bit off. But by the end of it, the vibes are back and it's just immaculate. So it's kind of great. It, doesn't it feel really weird that ASAP Rocky is in that movie? If it was like if it was a couple years later, they probably it'd be like Kid Cudi acting in it. And I don't think it would be <laughs> as good. But like because it's Rocky, I actually think it's like the performance works. Yeah, no, 100%. And he's actually not bad in it either. I feel like most like rappers or singers to to acting don't always work out there are a couple exceptions obviously like lady gaga i guess but yeah that's always an interesting choice kind of moving from there like the weekend in um uncut Uncut gems yeah (laughs) yeah like there's just like one-off movies where they do that for rappers for some reason but yeah asap's actually good dope i think and my third honorable mention the movie that we have done on the podcast and it's maybe not one you would think for this it's gonna be war dogs um (laughs) I think War Dogs, you know, it's kind of scummy vibes, uh, but I think it's a lot of fun vibes. Like that movie is kind of just like pure fun from from uh, start to finish. There are a lot of issues with it, obviously. If you've listened to that episode, we we kind of did dig dig into it pretty deep, I think. Um, and I wasn't, you know, the, the biggest fan of it, but I don't think you can deny the vibes. Just Jonah Hill's character in that movie, just is just such a dickhead, but he's so lovable at the same time. It, I think I find a very very strange sensation watching it. Yeah, wanted to include that on my honorable mentions as well. Do you have any honorable mentions? I do have one. I I really love my main pick here. I didn't. I this movie I've talked about my my honorable mention pick here is The Ring, and I've talked about this on the past before. Like I really think it is a fantastic horror movie, and 
obviously it's a remake of a Japanese film and they've done countless others and sequels and rings, but the 2002 American remake, the ring, I think just the aesthetic and the vibes of the movie itself are just so interesting and so particular and set and aware of what they want to be. It is just something I love. Like the tone is just so specific. So I, I like the vibes of, of that movie. So shout out to the vibes of the ring, even though they're creepy. I like that. I didn't even think about the creepy vibes. So I like that big lock. But yeah, the ring, one I haven't seen. Where could, do you know where that is streaming actually? It is, is av- it so it is available on the Roku channel for free as well as Paramount Plus. Oh, Paramount Plus. All right, that's that's what I may check out then. Uh, check out the creepy vibes. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll shout out my main pick here. I, I don't know if I've talked about this movie that much on the podcast, but it is one of my favorites of all time. I did mention, I think a few episodes back, that it is one of the movies that I own on DVD. I recommend watching it on VHS. Which is a very small collection. It's a Kingsman The Secret Service, which is also streaming on HBO Max. I love the vibes. Of this I think movie. recently added, maybe. Yeah, I think within the past couple of weeks here, it got added on. Um, I think the whole franchise is actually on there, which I've only seen the first one. So maybe I should check out the other ones. But really, really love this Matthew Vaughn directed film. Uh, Taron Edgerton is the lead, probably one of his like breakout roles really um, in Hollywood. So young Taron Edgerton. And then of course the, the Oscar winner, Colin Firth, really bringing the heat with the action, I, which is obviously my favorite part of the movie. The vibes, it's an interesting vibe, I think, throughout. You obviously have some issues with the vibes to the ending. Um, but the beginning, it's kind of just like, oh, this, um, you know, kind of loser teen in London being brought into this, you know, spy organization. It's kind of just like really cool story. I think like there's obviously a bunch of training montage and stuff too, like your classic stuff. But I think just like the young A sort of like young adult into a spy franchise is kind of weird, but it also has really great action. I mean, the church scene is of course a standout, you know, there are some campy characters, but it's kind of just like a satire on James Bond's film at the same time. And yeah, obviously you don't, you don't like the ending, I know, but it doesn't have to take itself so seriously, but it doesn't have to go to the, kind of the lengths of Austin Powers. So it's kind of like the in-between satire action film, which I really, really like. And uh, the cast is great. Matthew Vaughn's great. The confetti popping heads at the end is also great. And uh, I love this movie. I think I might like the second one better. Channing Tatum. Really? I haven't even seen it. So yeah, that that's an interesting take. The Golden Circle. Uh, terrible title. That, that's really why I didn't watch it. I will say The King's Man is not the the prequel is yeah i'm not a fan of that one the action is good it's got uh rafe in it doesn't it yeah rafe finds it's got the uh, guy why can't i not remember his name now it's the guy uh from guardians of the galaxy who i like you're talking about oh jaman hansu yeah he's in the king's we have not talked about jaman hansu forever on the pod but i love that guy but yeah he's in the king's man as well true 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 reese iphons matthew good mark strong I think he's a pretty good, pretty good cast. Mark Strong also on the Kingsman. Mark <laughs> Strong not playing a villain, surprisingly. That's he was yeah. in a bag there for a couple of years where it was all villains. So shout out to him. He's still doing it. But uh, what, what's your pick? Yeah, my pick here, uh, available on HBO Max, is Fallen Angels, which is a Hong Kong set movie from Wong Kar Wai. And and when I say vibes, like this movie is a complete vibe in in terms of the look and the aesthetics of it the way that they sh- that Wong Kar Rai shoots Hong Kong and like all these neon lights and the exposure on film. It's just like so beautiful to look at. Uh, the poster is a famous image of 
two of the main characters like riding on a motorcycle and that scene from the movie as they're like riding through the tunnel is just like a complete vibe if you it's kind of like that perks of being a wallflower scene but just like throughout the entire movie to a certain extent where it's just like cool stuff it's also about a hitman and like his love interest that like don't interact it's really cool it's like it's a really interesting story definitely check out fallen angels on on uh hbo max i have heard of this flick not checked out but um the visual style that you're describing i like a lot i mean that perks of wallflower scene is i think one of the most visually cool scenes uh kind of in modern that genre but yeah if it's anything like that continuously throughout the movie uh i'm bought it and so i like that pick yeah and i mean really interesting characters there's a a funny like side love interest character that does just like every time he appears on screen you're like what the fuck is this guy doing like why is this happening i remember watching it because i saw this in theaters a couple uh months back when i first moved out here and i was just like what it like every time this guy did something i was like man i'm surprised but yeah really interesting movie definitely check it out Fair enough. let's move over to hungover sick day movie I recommend a drink. Something to to get your spirits up on a downer. Yeah, I, I like this category a lot too. Like I said, I think we have some experience with this. So I have done a, a few hungover movies. You can kind of go a couple different ways here. I think uh, one of my definite ways that would go is, is comedies. A really funny one, obviously, is is The Hangover when you're hungover. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? Would not recommend the uh, you know two or three, but the first one I, I do like. I know in the past too, uh, I believe I've gotten some hate on this podcast for liking that movie, but it's really funny. So shout out to First Hangover. Of course, other comedies like Twenty One Jump Street or the other guys would one hundred percent be on my list too of of ones to watch on a day like this. But my main subcategory of honor mentions here, I do want to talk about food movies. I think food movies is a really really good pick for hungover because maybe you don't want to eat. But after watching a movie like this, you're going to be a little bit more, you know, taking into, you know, possibly doing that, which is obviously going to help you out. My couple honorable mentions, Chef, of course, it's a double honorable mention of this episode, just because I love that movie so much. Another great one is Burnt, uh, Bradley Cooper. I do not like Burnt. That movie sucks. I like that movie. I like that movie a lot. And uh, like I said, any sort of cooking movies, I'm on board for the most part, but Bradley Cooper is really good in that. And uh, that's definitely one I think you should check out. Of course, Ratatouille um, has to be included in this list as well. But kind of just like the food act but uh, of it as well, I, I think would 100% work on a hangover day. But uh, yeah, do you have any uh, honorable mentions for uh, for this cat? Yeah, I, I did have one honorable mention that I wanted to throw out there. And it was uh, 51st Dates. Uh, for me, you know, I'm not a, I think it's been noted on the podcast. I'm not always a huge Adam Sandler comedy fan or or even like, 2000s comedy rom-com anything like that but 51st dates is one of those ones that it's a little bit of a childhood classic to me it's kind of like a comfort movie almost where it's like i feel like you can turn it on and you can't be in a bad mood like there's just something about it that is fun and heartwarming and uh kind of just makes you feel good so yeah 51st dates would be my honorable mention feel a little uh get a little laugh on your down day i like that uh rob schneider as a uh, a dolphin caretaker <laughs> <laughs> Good cast. Sean Aston, I think, is a weirdo in that movie, too. So Her brother, yeah. yeah. Drew Barrymore's brother. Yeah, I like that. I like the movie a lot as well. It's a good pick. But I'll throw it into my main pick. It's going to be a Disney Plus joint. It's going to be a direct Disney vehicle through Pixar. A lot of animated shout-outs so far. I'm going to go Finding Nemo here as my hangover movie for a couple of reasons. The main one is all of the water is just going to make it so relaxing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to calm your brain and your body. You're going to 
be seeing so much water on the screen, it's going to feel like it's filling your body and it's going to make you feel better and better as the movie goes along. Uh, a reminder almost, to stay hydrated because exactly. drinking water is the best cure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main point of my picture. But also it is just a really fun and entertaining movie, I think. Sort of have that father-son relationship that, like you said, kind of warm your heart uh, as well. It's a really feel-good story at the end of everything. Also, uh, Crush the Turtle is just an elite character. And uh, there's kind of a lot of fun side-off characters that I really like. The kind of kid group at the beginning with like the starfish and uh, as well like the shark hoo-ha-ha people in, in the uh, fish tank. So many fun characters in there too. But yeah, Finding Nemo, I think on a uh, hungover day, it's not one where you have to be like locked in watching it the entire time either. You can kind of be like going up and down, getting water, getting food and stuff. But yeah, I, I really don't think you go wrong with this flick. Yeah, Finding Nemo is a classic. What's your pick? My pick here uh, is going to be My Cousin Vinny. So I wanted to go for another comedy here. And uh, I, I knew you'd appreciate this one because you're you're a big Pesci guy. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I, I don't know, Joe Pesci playing like the worst fucking lawyer in the world. Marissa Tomei with an Oscar winning performance. Very dur- One of those few movies where like when I first watched it, I was like, Oh, she won an Oscar? Like, no shit. Like, that makes a lot of sense. And especially for, like, a supporting performance, it's one of those ones where it's, like, this stands out amongst, like, most movies ever. Um, She's really incredible. And then Ralph Macchio, shout out the Karate Kid. A lot of lovable faces in this one. Um, And and I do think it is, like, genuinely funny, like, for, like, a 90s comedy crime movie. Uh, I think there's some really good laughs, and I, I think a lot of those come from Tomei. But, of course, you know, Pesci is fun to laugh at laugh at when you're just looking at him so great for a hangover day <laughs> well going up my boy Pesci <laughs> I do like this movie a lot too and I think it would be uh, a really good one for a hangover day just kind of get your your spirits up a little bit I mean you can't go wrong with Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci as your two first starting you know build actors and then you throw in the karate kid and you know he brings his own angle to it as well so yeah I, I do like that pick a lot that's a, a really fun movie italians the movie basically also as well <laughs> and uh my cousin Vinny is available on prime and peacock cody Ooh, our first peacock shout out of the day i don't know how many two more of uh those we'll get so we gotta enjoy it while, was, while it lasts here i think shout out peacock Ch- childhood classic movie don't worry i can recommend a couple cody not finding nemo i gotta go with my honorable mention you're gonna hate is uh small soldiers because every time i bring it up you want to fucking punch me but small soldiers dude childhood classic important story about uh indigenous peoples and the military industrial complex and capitalism and uh love and loss set in the world uh it's beautiful small soldiers available on prime Go check it out. You, know, you had you had me when you were talking about all the political stuff, and then you started talking about love and, and stuff, and you lost me. But yeah, I think you know. I would say uh, James Cameron watched Small Soldiers and said, "I like the topics covered here. I'm going to make Avatar." That's my uh, take. He was inspired by Small Soldiers. Uh, I hope that comes out soon in the news. But hey, maybe that's that's one I'll have to stick on my watch list. But uh, I highly doubt it. Uh, my honorable mentions, I got a few. Uh, Cheaper by the Dozen off the bat. One of my childhood favorites. For some reason, I watched Cheaper by the Dozen 2. Probably uh, about 10 or 15 times more than I should when I was a child as well. So love that movie. Lion King 1 and a Half, which was mentioned in our cap, our cap chats with uh, Mina. So ch- check out that episode as well if you want to hear a little bit more on that. 
And then um, The Secret of Nim. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Corbin, but uh, I, I read the book originally when I was a kid, and I found the animated movie as well. It's okay. It's kind of a weird story uh, looking back at it now, but uh, it, it is one I recommend. It, it's kind of a deeper cut. If we're going deep cuts like you in this The episode, imagery I'm seeing reminds me a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <laughs> You say so. I think it's mostly centered around um, kind of rats and mouse. A weird were-at person with a cape. <laughs> True as well. But uh, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. I'll throw it over to you. Uh, what is your childhood classic pick here? Well, I had to go for a Disney Plus pick. Got to shout out the House of Mouths for the childhood classic pick. Um, and I think this is one of the first things. I don't think it's the first thing that we watched when we first, when Disney Plus launched. This was one of the first things we watched. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Absolute banger of an animated movie. Obviously, you've got Michael J. Fox playing the lead role of Milo, but like, I think it's just so much different from like your typical, like, what is a Disney animated movie? Came out in 2001. So it was prime time of like, as it was doing airing and reruns, and as the sequel was coming out, like, I was seeing it as I was growing up as a kid on Disney Channel. Um, and then you mentioned it like, on our first Friday five episode with national treasure, like Atlantis is such a cool concept. And I think all of the stuff that they achieve visually with Atlantis, the people of Atlantis, the technology is extremely interesting. And it's just really cool. This like integration of technological stuff with uh, magic and spirituality. And yeah, I, I think it's a really cool mo uh, movie. Yeah, I agree. And this is one that you kind of uh, showed to me, I believe I had not seen it until I think I watched it with you guys. But uh, yeah, it is a fun one. And like we were talking about, I mean, Atlantis is a really, really cool location. I think story-wise, it's not terrible, I don't think. I think it's a fun movie. And uh, yeah, the underwater stuff, I like that. It's kind of just like one of those movies where it's like a, a traveling movie. It's kind of like a road trip movie without kind of a car, which I think is a fun kind of plot device. And uh, there's like a lot of likable characters and a lot of unlikable characters, which I think is is really good. Uh, and what Disney does pretty effective. Yeah, I mean, it's got it does a, it's the cast of people that travel with him. It, like each of them is really unique, and both like they do the animated thing where it's like each of these people looks vastly different from each other because we can play with like sizes and shapes of people and facial hair and different stuff like that. But then they also have distinctive personalities and sticks to them that I all think is really cool. And they, they have a super fun dynamic. It also kind of exists in that national treasure, Indiana Jones, maybe even like journey to the center of the earth type of world where it is like a little bit of a journey movie, but also it's a, mystery discovery history movie to a certain extent yeah and uh, i think it has like a bunch of political views and stuff as well on kind of like native american stuff as well which i feel like in disney's is most times they kind of stop on that so it kind of has cool things to say at the same time which uh yes yeah, kind of surprising but good flick that's one i would recommend as well i'll throw it over to my pick it has been aforementioned in this episode it is also a disney plus release it is Cool Runnings. I mean, how can we not talk about Cool Runnings in a uh, childhood classic category? What are you reckoning? A lot of sports movies. Major League, Cool Runnings. We got another one coming in our next category. That is true. Triple sports movie wreck on this episode. Hey, maybe we'll even do uh, you know more sports movie related stuff later in the month. Hint, hint. But anyway, Cool Runnings. Shout out John Candyman. R.I.P. He pretty much, I mean, I don't know if he carries this movie, but it's a pretty much like unknown cast for the most part. He's not the main character. He's not, you know, one of the bobslayers. Obviously, he's the coach. 
but uh, he really brings the laughs i think to this film and which is completely necessary and the team kind of really brings the heart um so great combo there but everything you want in a disney sports movie uh you know laughs raw emotion exciting scenes at the end to really heartfelt stuff that i like uh sort of just obviously the main plot is like oh a, a tropical island has a bobsled team which is just ludicrous on paper and when they get to the olympics they're kind of hated on nobody takes them seriously but then they're just so lovable that everyone changes their mind on them in, in just a few short weeks uh, we have great soundtrack love the soundtrack really good you know musical score as well really great theme and uh, just a perfect ending i think so yeah cool runnings if you haven't checked it out it is one i would uh, highly recommend on disney plus but i'm gonna be honest i still haven't seen cool runnings i feel like this is the one from the episode that i i finally got to got to go check out since you're officially recommending it here that would be a good episode down the line as well uh that's the other thing it's like do i want to watch it or do i just want to wait for you to make me watch it when you eventually pick it (laughs) true uh now that we're gonna do star trek episode there's gonna be some slots open on my uh on my calendar so yeah i don't hate that maybe a a a movie swap episode of of, of some sort could be a good idea you watch small shoulders and i'll I'll watch cool runnings (laughs) i actually like that idea a lot I like it. (laughs) Look forward to that in the future. All right. Motivational sports movies. Well, what do you recommend? Cody, so not Major League, not Cool Runnings. Do you have more honorable mentions? (laughs) I do have a couple honorable mentions. And they're just the classics. I feel like Moneyball, first off. I don't know if it's the most motivational. That's Motivates you to be a better father, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. But yeah, I don't know if it's the classic motivational sports movie. But it's one for me that is kind of just like an all-time sports movie. So I wanted to include it on the honor mentions. My other one is Hoosiers, uh, which, of course, being from Indiana. And also, if you checked out uh, the Pick and Roll podcast, I'll, I'll just plug that quickly. That is also on the uh, cap. Scroll up in the feed or scroll down in the yeah, feed. Scroll down a little bit. And uh, if you like college basketball, go, go with that. But, yeah, if, uh, you know, you're an Indiana fan of basketball. That's going to be a good one for you. You ever been to the Hoosier gym, Cody? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the name, of it, but uh, I have been there. But uh, yeah, it's really, really uh, cool location. I think really cool set for the movie too. So uh, yeah, but you haven't been there as well. Definitely recommend that. <laughs> Double it's, it's just called Hoosier Gym, Cody. Believe it or not. <laughs> Probably get that to be fair. Do you have any uh, honorable mentions for this guy? Um, yeah. <laughs> loosely de- definition of the word motivational for my honorable mentions at the very uh-huh. least uh dodgeball you can be motivated maybe a little bit but a solid sports movie nonetheless <laughs> espn 8 the ocho jason bateman best part um yeah. and then maybe loose definition of sports movie but i think we can count it but uh point break really motivates me <laughs> and i think is a sports movie in two facets one uh johnny utah former uh, college quarterback for Ohio State. Also, surfing is a sport, so double up, but maybe not necessarily motivational. Motivate to go catch some criminals. No, yeah, motivational is questionable. Great movie. I don't know if it's a sports movie in any sense of the word, but a good. He's pick. a former college football athlete who turns to the world of surfing. Yeah, I can't argue with the the recommendations. So fair enough. My main pick. I'll just throw it to it. This is my this is my series pick. I'm gonna go with. Another baseball movie, actually. I'm going to go with 42, mm. which I, you can check out on Hulu. A few Hulu recs for this episode. But, uh, yeah, for some reason, I feel like this movie um, kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit when it comes to sports movies. It's not really, I don't think, regarded as, oh, one of the best of all time or anything like that when people are just talking about, you know, the sports genre in general. 
but I really think it is. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, really the perfect portrayal of uh, Jackie Robinson. Obviously one of the most well-known and respected players in, in baseball history, so it's definitely important to get this movie right, and they just nail the casting. I think it's one of those iconic castings. Like, this is probably better casting on Chadwick Boseman than even Black Panther is, and that is ridiculously perfect casting. And also good cast. Harrison Ford is also in it, which I kind of forgot about. Um, yeah, I was going to say kind of a bad Harrison Ford. That's like real sleepy yeah. Harrison Ford years before yeah. uh, like The Force Awakens happened. Definitely, definitely phoning it in a little bit, but uh, he, he's not terrible. And then um, once they killed him in Star Wars, I feel like everything changed for him. But <laughs> before sure. there was a couple years before that from, I think, Crystal Skull <laughs> to Force Awakens. <laughs> it was a really dark, dark time for Ford. It was a dark Ford uh, acting period. I agree on that. Um, and also Lucas Black, who's the guy from Tokyo Drift, the main character in Tokyo Drift is this movie. He plays Pee Wee Reese. And he's actually he's actually good somehow. So I don't really understand how that happened, but love to see that. But yeah, just a really powerful story. And they really get the emotion, I think, um, exactly on where it would need to be. Him and his wife's relationship is, is pretty interesting as well. And just a really well-crafted movie, I think. So motivational-wise, I, I think this is definitely one of the best ones uh, out there. And uh, yeah, would definitely recommend it on Hulu. Also, Alan Tudyk. And Cody, you know who's yeah. in this? Scrubs man, John C. McGinley. Oh, is he? I remember Alan Tudyk's a real dick in the movie, I think. I think he's a racist. Um, yeah, I he remember... is. I think he is like the the main scene. Obviously, like there's moments throughout, but like the main like replayed scene where he is being called the N-word on the field. I'm pretty sure that is Alan Tudyk doing it, right? I, I believe so as well. But yeah, shout out John C. McGinley. I, I didn't know he did it. I'll have to rewatch it again and, and look for him. Spot him. Um, now that I know who he is from Scrubs. Dr. Cox. So, yeah. <laughs> Not that. all right the boy i also have a baseball movie it, w- it wouldn't be right if we didn't pick it from 2009 the perfect game cody uh are you familiar with this movie i don't know what this movie is i'm sorry this movie is not very good i would say and i'm, I'm gonna be honest I, pro- I haven't seen it since i was a child but it was like one of those ones that like I would watch a lot and it, it's based on a true story about a team from Mexico that makes it to the Little League World Series and then a kid oh. throws a perfect game in the championship game. It starts Cheech as like the this priest who is leading these group of kids and the kids, Cody, are you ready for this? Jake T. Austin oh. of Wizards of Waverly Place, Moises Aries uh, of Hannah Montana, Tony Revolori is in this movie and no his way. older brother his older brother's name mario revelori is also in it mario. so a fun little cast of, of of little child actors that pop up and stuff ryan ocha who uh was on two and a half kings if you ever saw that show as well so i think this was technically a disney produced movie to a certain extent so that's why you see some of those actors appear in it um but it is available on prime right now um it's cheesy it's silly you know what's going to happen the entire time. Literally, the title of the movie is the climax of the movie. But it's still a really sweet story, and I would definitely describe it as motivational. You know, they have to overcome a lot of stuff to, to make it there. They're from a really poor area. They encounter racist people. Um, it's set in the 60s, I think, 1957. So, yeah, like, it, there's a lot of things going against them. And, then, I, I mean, a perfect game is, like, one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. So it, it's a really cool story. Yeah, that's true. For a second, I thought you were talking about uh, For the Love of the Game, mm-hmm. which is kind of a Costner film where he does throw a perfect game. Um, but I take it back. I have seen this movie. I'm not going to lie. I think when I was a kid, I watched it. Deep recesses of your memory. You had to pull it yeah. out. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, but I think at one point um, when they get to a really nice field, they start 
what's it called they, they start doing snow um uh, snow angels on the grass because it's really nice yeah there might be there again there there might i can't again i haven't seen it there might be some problematic things <laughs> in the approach to the racial sensitivities i don't want to say it's a perfect movie just hedging some bets right off the bat i don't know <laughs> no but tony Lori being in it did not know that good cat really- good cast of kids man yeah so uh that's that's one maybe i'll have to revisit so and I cheech like cheech dude come on cheech leading team i mean you can't go wrong you Hopefully he's got some reefer in the back at least. But and no. one of the things I always loved about this movie, which it's silly now, but like the whole, their whole thing, they like say the prayer and they say Psalm 108, like before every game. And it's because there's 108 stitches on the baseball, which yeah. is like a cheesy thing, but it's, I, it's cute. And I love it. And yeah. yeah, I like that too. It's a, I think another uh, baseball rack. If you're a baseball fan. I oh yeah. It's that. like one that if you like baseball, like, you got to check this movie out. It's, you know, baseball history. It's it's a classic for sure. Love it. Last couple of categories here. Movies to cry to. He was streaming down his face, but he wasn't crying. What do you recommend for a catatonic fit in a parking garage? I recommend a little macula scraping. <laughs> now, I'll say right off the bat, I, apart from maybe in the last like three years, I think maybe, uh, I don't know, I hit puberty or something. Emotions are hitting me. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I never really cried in movies ever. I think now I've become more susceptible and like there will things, certain things that will make me tear up. I will say that the movies that I put in this category, I did not cry to because like mm. the list is few and I tried to like go find them and they weren't available on streaming. So here are just some sad picks for you. Uh, Cody, what's your honorable mention though? You're 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 not a big crier either. Maybe a li- you're a little bit yeah. more of an admitting. I'm not crier. a big crier, but there I feel like kind of the same with you. It's it's kind of more of a recency thing where I don't know if I'm just buying into the movies more, where I'm kind of allowing myself to attach my emotions to it. For We've some we're older. We're we're more scared of death now. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, but we have a lot yeah. more fears. We can more loss. More yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I just have my honorable mentions. Is pretty much the movies that I remember did make me cry. So of course that's a rival, uh, which of course I've talked about a bunch. I, I don't know why, but I, I always cry at the end of that movie. Another one, which I don't know if I have talked about a ton, The Rookie, which is another uh, sports baseball movie. I saved it for the honorable mention in this category. Pretty motivating as well. Dude, at the end, it, it's such a great scene. Um, it makes me cry every time, but I won't get into it too much. And then another one, I am probably forgetting a few that didn't make this list, but the last one, all of my honorable mentions, uh, it's actually Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I was just—I was literally about to ask you, Cody, did you cry yeah. in Guardians of the and, Galaxy? Um, Volume 3? I didn't cry. I did tear up in the theater. I mean, I feel like crying in the theater is kind of embarrassing. Like, kind of held—I held back tears a little bit. <laughs> but dude, there's some emotional stuff in that movie um, that I really, really liked, and it really does latch onto your emotions. I think, and it knows what it's doing. But yeah, a, a little bit of tearing up, I think, on that case, but. Uh, what are your honorable mentions for this category? I would say Guardians had me a little uh, emotional. I do have the movie, the movie, the, the last movie that like really made me kind of tear up was About Time. And that's one that like is a really hard hitting one. It's not available to stream anywhere. I would recommend if you haven't seen it, go rent it. Um, we probably will do a podcast episode about it. But like the Donald Gleason, Bill Nye, father-son relationship is, is yeah, I mean like, it's really emotional stuff and uh, it's really powerful. It's very much a movie about lot, you know, the beginning and ending of things and living life to the fullest. And, and yeah, that it's an emotional one. Um, and then my other honorable mention, I feel like maybe will be your main pick Cody. So, cause I know you've cried to it in the past. So should I throw it over to you? I don't know. 
I don't think it is going to be a pick. I probably just forgot I could do it. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, the classic movie 50-50, Cody. You always tell me oh, that that movie man. makes you cry. Dude, that movie does make me cry. That did not. That is not my number one pick. But Available on Prime. That is a movie I cry to every time as well. Great pick. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess 50-50 and about time. Actually, oh, man. all th- And my main pick all deal with cancer. So, I guess you can see what I think is sad. Yeah. Um, so, there you go. Yeah, that specific scene in 50-50 where he's about to go into, like, surgery. Fucking tough, man. It is just tough. There's no other way to describe it. But, uh, yeah, my story, my main pick, which I'll go into, fortunately does not revolve around cancer. So we'll have a little bit of variance here. And this is a movie I have seen. I don't think it made me cry, but maybe a little bit of tearing up. It's Lion, um, which is the mm, Dev Patel. Dev Patel, yeah, yeah, yeah years back it is streaming on hbo max and it is one i would highly recommend so it's a really cool story honestly obviously like i said stars deb patel it's a story about a young kid who, who gets lost in the world and like loses his parents loses his family and basically he gets brought into this new family uh, adopted by like nicole kidman um who's really really good in the movie one of her best performances i think honestly uh, basically later on in life deb patel is trying to track down um his former family and he kind of does it through Google Maps. So kind of just like this new technology in the world is allowing people to maybe find their long lost family, which is a really cool concept, I think. But then it gets super emotional when he finally does find them. He goes back after so many years, finds his, his uh, mom and then, you know, his siblings and stuff. It's just a really good movie. And it is a feel good one at the end as well. But for like a, a movie to cry to, I feel like it's better for a happy cry than a sad cry. And uh, th- this is definitely one of the better happy cries, I think. So, yeah, shout out, Lion. I haven't seen it. I'll have to check that out. I mean, yeah. Dev Patel is, I think, always great. So, yeah. No Ro- Rooney Mara is also in it as well, who I like a lot. Hey, so, shout, shout out, out shout out Mara Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> Mara Rooney. So my pick is is not a movie that I cried to at all. And honestly, it's, it's maybe not one that is really – it is, it is a sad movie. It is also just like a depressing movie from the circumstance, just like of watching it, but is the worst person in the world. Uh, it's 2021 uh, romance drama film. There's just like some sad stuff that happens in it. I kind of threw it into this category, but in all honesty, I just think it's a fucking amazing movie. It's one of my favorite movies released in 2021. It's a international film, uh, Norwegian movie, basically about a woman who's kind of going through her life. And she's got this shitty boyfriend and I don't really want to spoil too much of what happens, um, but I would definitely recommend checking it out. It is just kind of this really depressing and, and wistful story about like a young woman at a certain stage of her life trying to figure things out and, and make it. And yeah, it it's really, really well done. The worst person in the world. Yeah, no, deeper cut. Uh, I'm not surprised coming from you, but uh I don't know if I ever even heard of that. Who who stars in it? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's it's a Norwegian movie. It was oh, it was nominated. Okay. It was nominated for best international feature and best original screenplay at gotcha. the okay. 94th Academy Awards. That does sound familiar. Um, it's yeah, like, it's my second behind Dune. It is my second favorite movie of 2021. I did watch it a little bit later, so I don't think I ever mentioned it on our 2021 reviewed. I saw it later because it was released in the United States. Late, you know that whole shit. Um, but it is really good and it's available on Hulu. But it didn't make you cry. Did it make you tear up, though? I think it would make some people tear up. There's stuff in it. I, I don't know. It did. It's <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah. No, no, it sounds like a just an emotional movie, honestly, all too honest. So, so, yeah. Background movie. When you're hanging out with friends, Cody. Would you recommend 
anything for the end of the night. Well, what do you think? What should you throw on? Yeah, this is an interesting category. Um, for me, this is not a, a movie that I want to pick that is a really good movie, I don't think. I do have one exception I think that would that would be a good pick, and that is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is a really great movie. But it's kind of like there's so many good scenes, and they like just cut quickly to different scenes as well, I think. And you can kind of be like having conversation, and they cut to a scene, and you watch like a scene from the movie. So I like that a lot. Yeah, um, Ferris Bueller is one of those, like, the thing with this category, it's like, I love that movie so much. Like, even though I've seen it so many times, I love it so much where it'd be like, I would just be wanting to watch that. Like, I would be disinterested yeah. in what's going around, <laughs> going around and, me. And, um, that uh, leads in, directly into uh, my next mo- honorable mention, which is going to be Batman v Superman. Mm, uh, good I pick don't here. think, yeah, I don't think it's a very good movie, but there are some, like, some interesting Some visual, things. it's, watch yeah. it with the sound off. For sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't need to hear anything Jesse Eisenberg is saying. <laughs> uh, but like Batman, Superman fighting, like it's visually cool. I'm not going to deny that. But yeah, not a good movie. My other honorable mention here, any of the Avengers movies, um, I think kind of the same thing. You can just mute it and there will just be mindless action every like Civil Wars movie. one we've definitely thrown on in the past hanging yeah. out for sure. Age of Ultron I think would be really good for that because plot-wise and character-wise, I don't really care about it, anybody. So I think just having that on in the background would be fun. But yeah, are you kind of on a similar train of maybe not the best movies here? You got any honorable mentions? The one that like fits into the Batman v Superman world is, and it is a movie I, I did throw on one time when we were all hanging out and we like kind of watched it, but kind of did other shit. And it's Godzilla, the King of Monsters, where oh, yeah. it's like this movie is literally just like the imagery is so cool. And there's so many fucking like giant monsters, but you don't need to follow the plot or know what's happening. Like just look up and be like, oh shit, Godzilla is fighting Mothra, sick. Yeah, I, I've seen that movie once. And, uh, you did have it on in the background. It wasn't bad. I like Vera Farmiga. I like Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, I like Godzilla. So, and Mothra is a really cool villain as well. So, I, I do like that honorable mention. But Ken Watanabe, yeah, our boy, our, our Inception guy. <laughs> I love Ken Watanabe. But yeah, a lot of fun just actors, I think, in that movie as well. So, good one to have on the background, I think. Uh, moving on to my pick, I'm going to go with another HBO Max here. I'm going to send this into the comic book world. I'm going to take Watchmen, uh, the Zack Snyder joint. So you really, you think Zack Snyder movies are the perfect hangout yeah. vibe. Yeah. I don't know. That, that would maybe, if someone told me that, I would be like, maybe we shouldn't hang out. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I think I was just thinking into the category a bit too much, but I think visually Zack Snyder, he's elite. Like he's good at what he does, but character-wise, writing-wise, I hate his guts. So I think it's perfect. And that's the thing. It's like the best moments of Zack Snyder movies are like visually really incredible, but you got to get through a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And Watchmen specifically, I think it is one of his better movies, actually. I think it might I agree. be the I best, agree. I'm being completely honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's just kind of like you can pick uh, certain scenes that are maybe good or maybe a little bit bad too that you kind of hate watch that are fun. So the opening credits, I think, is really good with the song. Uh, the times they are changing, really fun montage. So we have the sound down for the first 10 minutes and then turn it off after that. Also, I mean, like the Warshack scenes and the Dr. Manhattan scenes visually, I think, are, are pretty interesting. Um, but then, yeah, you get into some of the bad stuff, too. I mean, the weird sex scene with the fake Batman and the terrible actress. Uh, I don't even know her name. Not, not looking it up. I mean, it's really, really cringe. A lot of the dialogue is really bad too. So on like certain scenes, you can turn on the volume and be like, God, this movie's terrible. And on certain other ones, you're like, oh, I kind of like what they did there with like the Vietnam thing. So 
Yeah, I think yeah, that... and, and Dr. Manhattan is cool to just like look at and yeah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. The ending, like it's okay. It is what it is. It's not as uh, you know, it doesn't would you up. understand the ending having not watched the rest of the film and then kind of only half watched the ending? I think it might be you might get well, a little off. <laughs> that's a good point, but that's basically every Zack Snyder film, anyways. Because that's the get, that is the get thing there, you know, you get there. The one thing about Watchmen is like it is kind of a confusing movie because it's like kind of telling two different time period stories or like a little bit. And so like, I think it's one that if you haven't seen it before, it would be like, you would have no way to possibly keep a linear story going in your head in just bits and pieces. There's a lot going that's on. Fine. And it's a massive, uh, obviously comic story, originally graphic novel, whatever it was. So there's a lot, lot kind of that Snyder was trying to throw in it and a bunch that he left out as well. But I think that'd be a really fun way to watch it for the first time too. Kind of not actually care about the story and just go scene to scene looking at the visual spectacle. Uh, I'd probably like the movie a lot more to be fair. So yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. Uh, I'm sure you'd it. figure things out. You'd be like, hey, what's that guy with the uh, Rorschach Dylan? blots on his face name? Oh, Rorschach. Cool. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> True. What's what's a uh, fake Batman's name? Uh Oh, Night Owl. Yeah, he's kind of like Night Owl, but uh, yeah, what's your pick for this category? I'm like, uh, so this is a Tubi pick for you, Cody. I got to come in hot with the, the free Tubi pick. Um, and this is a movie called Powell Akatsi. Are you familiar with this? Oh, <laughs> so this is, this is 1988, uh, a non-narrative film from Godfrey Reggio. And it is kind of like the originator almost of like stock footage to a certain extent where it's like the, <laughs> the entire movie is just like real footage captured. And it, it, it's kind of all about this like clash of traditional ways of life with modern industrialization. And there's, it's a whole trilogy of movies. The first one is hailed as like this great achievement and the second and third ones are, are less good. The third one, I think, is fucking awful. I, I've seen all three of these movies, um, but there's no dialogue. It is literally just music throughout. And it is like, I think it's perfect because you can put it on and like you could be playing cards and you could like look up and you'd be like, oh shit, here's a sick time lapse of whatever happening. And like, it was like a lot of the stuff that was happening, it's, it's cool from the perspective of like, when you see some of the stuff now, it's like, oh, this is like Apple TV screensaver time-lapse imagery like it's it's stuff that seems incredibly modern and stuff we see all the time now but at the time it was like this was the first person ever making this kind of like video and film in terms of like what it's conveying I would say it's a little meh but it's really cool and pretty to look at it's got a sick soundtrack um so yeah it's a vibe Pawakatsi, check it out throw it on throw it on it it would it does great at parties <laughs> yeah I think it should have been on the vibe I don't remember it as well I don't think I've ever heard of this, but if it's just straight stock footage, I'm bought in. I mean, like you said, this is just background music to a point. So literally just putting background stock footage makes sense perfectly for this category. So I love that. It was incredibly influential in a really interesting way, in a really weird way, I would say. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, like you said, I feel like you see that everywhere now. Um, so kind of like we were saying before, being the first one to do that. And that kind of having all these copies. It's like the original yeah. background imagery, literally. So yeah. It, yeah, it's kind of the perfect rec here, I think. Perfect. Where can you check that out? Was it was that Tubi? Tubi pick. <laughs> Shout out Tubi. Whole <laughs> trilogy <laughs> available. So if you want to go to oh, wow. uh, Noyakatsi and Koyanakatsi, I believe are the other two. 
the second one's okay. It's it it it's, doesn't have the same magic. The third one is like um, was made in like 2002, I want to say, and he plays a lot with like very bad computer graphics because the idea is like the meat like the idea of it is cool because it's like about like the digital age it's like his take on the digital age but there's just like some really shitty renders from 2002 where it's like this is like so bad to watch <laughs> i kind of want to see that now too <laughs> good reps throw them on you could binge the whole trilogy in a night moving on to our final category wild card cody and legally i can't even officially recommend it what did you what did you want to recommend to the people wildcard wise? For me, I wanted to include a peacock pick. So I went and searched up uh the movies that are currently in Peacock. There's not a ton, but there's there was one that stood out in a movie that I do like, and it is the film Wanted, which is a James McAvoy joint, uh Angelina Jolie in her prime, uh mid two thousands. And it also has some uh fun supporting characters, Morgan Freeman, Common. Chris Pratt is even in it where he's in a scene where he gets his tooth punched out, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Kind of just a really stylistic action film. It is based off a comic as well, but some twists and turns. James McAvoy is kind of just thrown into this spy world and has no idea what he's doing. But at the same time, he can like curve bullets. Like he's a natural addition. So it's really fun angle on that side as well. Like he gets unbelievably cocky so fast and uh, just becomes like a headshot God. So I feel like if you like John Wick movies, like you would like this movie in general. Um, Yeah. Kind of just like crazy off the wall action. Uh, And this is movie. I don't think it had the best uh, box office or just like general ratings at the time too. So kind of one that has been lost in the sauce a little bit. Um, It doesn't really, nobody talks about it. It's like action wise, comic book adaptation wise as being anything good. Maybe that is due to some weird plot points in the third act where some characters kind of turn evil uh, out of nowhere. And it's kind of like throwing the entire script on its head at one point as well. So some weird plot devices, but the acting is really good. I love the cast and uh, it's just really stylistic and, and really fun action. I don't know if I'd ever heard of this movie before today, Cody. Really? So this is, yeah, this is a good pick. Wow. I like it. I'm surprised. Yeah, James McAvoy, man. He's He's been working for a while, but yeah, this is one of his... Some yeah. early McAvoy stuff. Yeah, 2008, yeah. pre-first class. I like it. I like it. Peacock hey man, pick, too. It's good Peacock, to have. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Peacock. Finally, finally. I'll be on there probably later tonight watching Psych and uh, might just have to turn on a, you know an hour and a half of one. So. <laughs> I have uh, two full picks here. So nice. I wanted to go in wildcard. I wanted to go away from just traditional movies and I wanted to recommend a comedy special and a documentary for the people. So nice. the comedy special is on HBO max and it is called uh Gerard Carmichael Rothaniel. Um, Rothaniel is Gerard Carmichael's actual first name. So that's why he names the special oh. that he doesn't go by it. Um, nice. This is directed by Bo Burnham, which I think is a really cool touch. Those two are close friends. Um, it's set at this New York jazz club. It's a super like, laid back intimate like comedy special where he gets into a lot of very deep stuff about his personal life it is essentially a coming out as well which is really interesting it's really emotional it's also extremely funny it's i checked it out after he hosted the golden globes and i wasn't like a huge fan of him at the golden globes but then i went and watched a special and i was like oh wow this is really good and uh he's definitely a person um that i would keep on my radar in the next couple of years so yeah check, check that out on hbo max it's a fun one and, nice, yeah well fun love, love <laughs> some fun uh, but yeah love me some comedy specials as well so i like that and then uh my 
documentary recommendation available on Apple TV Plus, had to get one of those in, is uh, Boys State, which is an A24 documentary, A24 Apple documentary uh, about Texas Boys State. I think I've talked about it a long time ago on the podcast back when I first watched it. But it's basically a documentary crew follows around a couple high school students as they go to this leadership conference in Texas, where they're basically doing a uh, like a pseudo government, they elect a governor and they make laws and all this stuff and setting it in Texas, setting it, I think it was filmed in 2019, released in 2020. You would think maybe this could either be like, make me feel really bad about the future of our country or really good about the future of the country. I think it does both at the same time. You know, you see like, listen, it's set in Texas. So there's a lot of political views and a lot of ideologies there amongst these kids. But there's also a lot of young people who have differing beliefs and want to stand up for things. It was also just like a really cool look at like, what can young people do when they come together? And it proves that there are plenty of young people in this country who could be doing a great job of running our country or or being a part of governmental processes, probably better than a lot of the old aging people that are currently in government. So check out Boy State. It'll give you a little bit of hope for the future. And it's a really cool look at just like, what do teenagers in Texas, you know, at a political conference, what are they, what are they interested in? What are they looking at? It, it, it's, it's really fun. So yeah. I like that uh, choice as well. I think you have talked about it a good couple of times on the pod, but yeah, kind of interesting because the ideologies, obviously, in Texas as well, are just swirling, I think, at the moment. But I'm sure there's a lot of moments where uh, you can kind of pick and choose, you know, which kids are, are kind of come from which side and which side. Uh, so that's cool to see, I think, as well. And like young people as well, it's just like they're so raw, like they don't hold anything back. Which I think would be really cool from a, a documentary standpoint. Yeah. And it's I mean. They so basically they like chose a couple people in advance to follow around as like their main people that they were gonna, you know, be interviewing and filming constantly, and then they capture some other people throughout. So by the nature of those decisions they make, it like sets what their narrative is gonna be early. And maybe it hurts them a little bit in the end, I will say, but I still think it's extremely effective and interesting. Yeah, it's one uh I think that's actually been on my list for a while. So I'll have to check it out. All right, Cody, that is all of our recommendations. Ooh. We'll be posting a, a wonderful graphic on our social medias at Cap Podcast um, with our final official list and where you can check them out. So definitely do that. Uh, I think we provided the people a lot of great recs. Did you have any last minute ones you needed to throw out? I did have a couple honorable mentions from our wild card, actually, that I'll just toss out. Uh, the Suicide Squad. I really love that movie. More of a recent release. Uh, Wind River, a movie I think is unbelievably underrated. Shout out uh, Elizabeth Olpen. And then uh, Prisoners as well. Haven't talked too much to Nia on this, but uh, man, that is a crazy good movie. Unbelievable acting, great script. And uh, cinematography, of course, is, is on point as well. But yeah, those were a couple just last ones I went throughout. Did you have any others? Yeah, just a couple real quick ones. Eyes Wide Shut, which I think I mentioned in our trivia podcast. You can check that out on yeah. Tubi. Uh, the original Hellraiser movie, Side Effects, Short Term 12, The Meyerowitz Stories on Netflix, um, and then, of course, Ben Affleck's The Town, man, speaking nice. of. Uh, great film. So, yeah, lots of great stuff out there to check. I'm sure if you pick at least one movie from our list, we'll be happy. If you can get one good wreck out of what we just shared, I think we did a good job. <laughs> Especially if it's cool running. Absolutely. I'll be checking that one out for sure. Well, everyone. 
thank you for listening. We hope you had a good one, and we'll catch you in the next episode of May Mania. Stay tuned, baby. Stay capping. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.